Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Not the best of clearances. Oh, what a volley! Matt Hummels! Grant in for Holland! Like he's never been away! The man in front of goal who is simply deadly. Hey, welcome to the BVB podcast. Uh, this is your first time hanging out and listening. Thank you so much. You can find us on the preferred podcast platform uh, and YouTube if you search the BVB podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BVB pod. Or if you want to reach out on email, it's the BVB pod at gmail.com. I got it right that time. I've messed it up so many times, but I, man, I, I flew through that. So on that note, it's huge. Well, I finally hit it perfectly. We have to announce that this is the final episode of the BVB pod. <laughs> You're so close. I'm so close. Oh, no. <laughs> this episode is out on April Fool's Day. So happy April oh, Fool's okay. Day. I, I didn't even know we were going that. Carver's like, just like, just I don't know what's going on. And then I started to stutter. It's like. He just looks at me and he's like, yeah, that's right. We're done. <laughs> Hope you had fun. Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Um, we're just getting started. Uh, my name is Jake. Carver is with me as always. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's a very cold and gross day in St. Louis, but we have full capacity West Fallen Stadion this weekend. So I am ex- super excited for that. How are you doing? Pretty good. Speaking of full capacity, I went to... Uh, we've talked a lot about being in St. Louis. We're getting our MLS team. We had our MLS Next Pro game kick off their season, and I went to that game, which was a sellout crowd. Yeah. Uh, it was nuts, and it was and they got their the first win, first win in league history, not only for them but for the actual league because it's a brand new league. So that was, a thousand. Let's just go ahead and liquidate the team <laughs> and be the best team in MLS history. <laughs> I mean, no big deal. Uh, went in right off the bat. Even we don't even have Berkey yet, but yeah, uh, soon. Soon we will. Um, but yeah, enough about St. Louis. Yeah, full capacity crowd this weekend. Mm-hmm. Of course, we got a big game coming up for uh, Dortmund taking on Leipzig. So we're going to, that's mainly what this episode is going to be, is previewing that game. So it might be a, it's not the last episode, but it will be probably a shorter episode because we don't have any games to recap. Um, there was coming off the international break. So we are going to talk USMNT a little bit especially Gio Reyna. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Americans, so we're pretty excited. We have a lot of American listeners. We're probably also excited too. So we're going to talk USMNT, maybe some World Cup. Um, we have a women's update from uh, the homie Adam Dorofsky. Dorofsky, I want to say the... I'm just going to say Dorofsky, the German W. I'm going to say throw it in there. So we'll get a, a women's update from him. And then we're just kind of... We got seven games, uh, final seven games of the season. So we're going to give a just a quick little run through of those and... I don't want to say the title race is on, but we're going to maybe calculate some points and <laughs> and have a little bit of hope. I'm hopeful. I'm not hopeful. I don't. Neither am I. It depends on the day, really. Yeah, Saturday, if we win, I'll, I'll be a lot more hopeful, but <laughs> we'll be back next week going, <laughs> champions, baby. <laughs> I mean, we should probably just jump right into the, uh, start previewing Leipzig. Yeah. Which have had, they've had quite the turnaround this season. Um, and now they look like, I mean, they beat us when they weren't looking great. Um, and now they're looking a lot better. With their new coach. Yep. Jesse Marsh, or since the sacking of Jesse Marsh, their season has completely turned around and they are looking like a whole new side under Dominic Tedesco, if I'm saying that correctly. He's a very young coach. I think he's like 36, but he is, 
yeah, again, really transformed this team, and they've lost just one single game this calendar year so far. So they and I think that was only it was against Bayern, and it was just barely against Bayern. I think it was just three two. So they are looking um, looking very dangerous. Yeah, mid see, I mean, pre sacking Jesse Marsh, they were like mid table. Oh yeah, they they were falling in. I think close to tenth or something yeah, like that. Very inconsistent. Um, as soon as they sacked him, though, that was something I, I knew. I was aware of like they're probably going to come up and and come into the the like Champions League mm-hmm. spot. Uh, they're going to be a contender, obviously, and that's exactly what they've done. They're they're sitting in fourth now. Um, in I mean the table mid mid table to the fourth is like really tight. They're tied on points, I think, with Freiburg. Um, they have a, a pretty high goal differential, uh, twenty with twenty seven goals. But yeah, they, they've just looked much better. Um. And they beat us the first time, like I said, when they weren't looking great. So obviously it's going to be a pretty tough game. But as you mentioned, and we mentioned a couple times, sellout crowd, uh, full capacity stadium, which is going to be just, just we can't lose this. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> There's no way we lose it. There's no way we, uh, we, we come out under Leipzig again. Jude Bellingham will be playing in front of the yellow wall for the first time in his career as a Dortmund player. I think Holland has played in front of the full in front of our stadium that's at full capacity maybe like four games. Um, when I was in Dortmund, it was February of 2020, literally a calendar month or so before the coronavirus really started becoming like a pandemic. And um, yeah, Holland was playing then, but I can't remember too many games after that that he played, you know, because it went into lockdown. So. This is going to be exciting for the fans. It's going to be exciting for the players to play in front of such a beautiful atmosphere. And it's going to be excited for the world to watch. You know, it's a, it's a big game, too. It's not just like we're playing a um, a relegation battling team. Yeah. Uh, exciting for Rosa, too. He talked in his uh, pregame presser. <laughs> we we have the tendency to record our episodes the day before the pre-match, pre-match press conferences come out. So we are doing this a little later than, obviously, we usually put out episodes on Wednesday, but uh, record a little bit later because we had the USMNT game Wednesday night. Uh, but Rosa even said, he's like, I- I've come to the stadium multiple times with different teams facing the yellow wall and a full capacity crowd. And it's been very intimidating. So he's he's excited to have have that on his back. And hopefully, yeah. um, I mean, obviously there's been fans in the stadiums, but not full on. Um, and and I know there's, there's some fans who are kind of back and forth with how they feel about him, but hopefully he can just prove and to everybody, full crowd, that yeah, he's he's our coach moving on, and, and we can trust him and have faith with him moving forward, which I think that's what this game is. Um, it's such a big game. Taking on Leipzig, who are significantly better now. Um, this can just set the tone for the next seven games, and we've had the international break. A lot of guys were out. We had 10 guys out on international duty. Um, so not everyone... It wasn't just a break for the whole team where everyone got to regroup yeah. and train and everything, but... It's just another another one of those moments that can be a, a good turning point for this season. And we've kind of been building. We've had a, a decent run in the Bundesliga, uh, getting some clean sheets and some wins. I don't. Our last game was so long ago. I don't remember how. Oh, I, <laughs> it, we, we we tied. Was it? Yeah, yeah it was we tied one one. Uh, and but this is just one of those moments, like another turning. How many moments of these <laughs> have we had? But this is kind of it. I feel like this is the last stand almost. If we, but if we win this. Um. Then when we win this, it's just going to be a good platform to to finish out the rest of the season on. How like what are your thoughts on that? 
Or- well, yeah, you said it. I mean, this next game will set the tone. It's going to be, you know, are we going to be flying to the finish line or are we going to be limping to the finish line come the end of the season? You know, I think it's been kind of without a doubt that we're going to be locking down second place, but, um, or at least, at least second place, excuse me. But now it's a matter of, you know, how close can we get to Bayern and how well can we play uh, for these last few games? I mean, yeah, you mentioned already that Leipzig look significantly better under their new manager. He's playing, it looks like a lot of times, three at the back with four midfielders and three attackers, and not so much kind of like the wide three that we would play with like a left winger, a striker, and a uh, right winger, but more of, uh, I think Danny Olmo would play in the middle or in the hole and then have two uh, strikers up top and in Cuckoo and, um, excuse me, Andre Silva besides him. And a lot of their plays or build-up comes through Kevin Campbell. I don't know if you uh, know Kevin Campbell much, but he used to play for Dortmund, actually. I think it was only maybe two years, if that. But he's grown to be a a lot better of a player at Leipzig, and a lot of the possession runs through him. And as they progress up the field, it looks like a lot of times their attacks are going through Angelino. That provides the uh, numbers in attack and through the wings. He brings in a lot of great quality in uh, in those wide areas, so... I don't know who's going to be able to match up against Angelino. And we have, what, four injured right backs at the moment? Munier's out. Paslak's out. Um, Moray obviously is injured. Who else? I mean, Chan, I guess, is a right center I, back. but I forgot about all the injuries in that <laughs> position. Because we're going to talk about injuries in a little bit, but I was thinking optimistically like oh man do we we have a lot of guys back and then I forgot, yeah i just forgot how many people in that position are out but yeah so oh. i mean a lot of their build-ups again so they'll have the three at the back and then campbell will kind of come back for a three plus one and then he'll channel it up and give it to angelino as they move up the field and that's whenever he's able to either whip in across to players like andre silver is very deadly in the air or um kind of do some back and forth with Nkuku because Nkuku has been I mean, in my opinion, their best player this season. He's incredible in pretty much every aspect and attack that you could think of. He's, you know, not only a very solid finisher, he's got plenty of goals this season, but, I mean, not to mention his handful of assists as well and his playmaking ability, his dribbling in tight areas. I mean, he he sent us for a few hot dogs uh, in, in Leipzig a few months back. I remember watching him. He was terrifying to watch when he got into our third. Um but yeah, I mean, so we got a pretty good sense of, you know, what their game plan is usually like, but it's just a matter of how we're going to be able to match it, you know? Yeah, uh, on the Nkuku note, I knew he's been getting a lot of hype lately, and I get it, and he's been playing well, and a lot of it is the team has been playing well, I'm, and I don't mean that to belittle him. He's, in turn, the team is playing well, and he's playing a lot better too, but there's been so much hype around him lately saying, oh, one of the best strikers in the world. I just want to point out, 27 matches, he has 15 goals, and he's their leading goal scorer. And he also has nine assists as well. And okay, he's not, that's, he's not a, <laughs> that's like, good. Shit, really? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not, but it's not, not like a pure out-and-out striker. You know, again, he's yeah. a lot more of a playmaker. He can play on pretty much either wing and a lot of times also in the hole as well. So him and that combination of him and Silva up top are very, very deadly. And I mean, Leipzig already are known for having, you know, the quick playing style and intense attacks and on their day, they're one of the most deadly teams in Europe. He, I think he is going to be a problem. And he might oh, he'll probably score one against us. And I'm not trying to belittle him because that is a, it's good. 15 goals is good on this season. All I was going to point out is in 17 games, Holland still has 16 goals. I know. It's just unfortunate that he hasn't been playing no. and banking in more. 
especially when we need him. But and speaking of Holland, he he picked up a knock in the game uh, with when he was playing for Holland. No, Nor- when he was playing Norway. for Holland, <laughs> when he was playing for Norway, and they were playing Armenia the other day, which. Uh, the way I called it last week, I said, I'll put money. I should have put my goddamn house, but I put <laughs> money on, uh, I said I'd put money on one of our players going on this break and getting uh, some sort of quote unquote knock and just a few day thing. And then it's going to turn into fucking who knows at I, this point. I thought you were going to say you put money on, um, which I did remember you saying that, but you also mentioned uh, it, it's going to be a good opportunity for him to pick up some form, pick up some goal, like bang some goals in, which mm-hmm. he did. He got two in the first half of the game. I mean, Norway scored nine. It was just yeah. insane. But two in the first half, and then he was taken off at that injury. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw some of the photos of like the. I didn't watch the game, but His ankle. Yeah, yeah. but Dude, my bad. god, those tackles were illegal. I mean, that was murder <laughs> in, in the box. In the box. Yeah, I. It, in a friendly, no less. So, you know, with our luck, Jesus Christ. So. I really hope he can get healthy soon. I, I really don't think we should, unfortunately, like rush him into a game like this. It sucks because we desperately need a player of his ability in this level of a game. But, yeah, you don't want to rush it with his injury list prior to this game. I mean, I said it before, but when, you, when he, uh, your game, or Holland's game, relies on pace and power that much, and you start picking up these knocks left and right that are anywhere from a few weeks to a month or two at a time, you know, it's going to rack up real quick at your age. And, you know, if, if you could be spending the majority of your career on the sidelines or your game suffers dramatically because you get the pace and power sucked out of you because you're constantly picking up these knocks. I mean, you know, again, he spent most of this season or at least half of the season on the bench, it seems like. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bummer, which I, I think we've we mentioned it a lot before, but that's kind of why everyone's already fed up and done with him because we just haven't been able to see him so people are all over it but yeah it makes it easier to kind of want him gone i mean he hasn't officially been ruled out but as of thursday in the presser marco reza said his participation is very questionable to be honest uh said on on thursday erling uh, is always very optimistic but the foot is big swollen blue we're working on it but there's a big question mark so i would he's if it's swole, that swollen on Thursday, he's probably not going to be out. And muscles so. take longer to repair than like bones somehow because the human body is full of wonders. And, you know, so this could be something that unfortunately is going to last quite a while, which, you know, no surprise there, I guess, <laughs> given our injuries this season. Um, until I you reminded me that we still have more injuries. We do have some people back, though. It looks like Royce should be back. Yes. Yep. Um which is going to be huge. We could have really used him against the or, or in the other game against Cone. We know we really need someone to, to be able to have the vision and intelligence to break those initial pressing lines. And I know Leipzig are a team that likes to press pretty high, so he's going to be very much needed. And also, he's got a good record of like really shitting on him, and which a lot of our, our team usually plays very well against Leipzig in general. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to be a huge addition to the team. And Hazard, I guess I didn't see this, but I just, well, I heard about it in the presser today. But Hazard, I guess, got a knock during the international break, so he's questionable. He said he looks good and he's training, but I don't know exactly what his injury injury was. But he's could possibly be in. Um, besides, and then Hummels should be back too. I know he was taking a while to recover. He'd been on the bench the last couple of games, but hasn't played. Probably a slow recovery from COVID. But he's 
possible. We know Akanji is in. He was playing over the international break. So Zagadu is back in full training. Okay. I doubt he plays Saturday or Sunday, but you know, I, maybe in the next week or two we can have him come at the end of the season. We could always use more defenders at this point, you know, especially with Schultz being injured. We really don't have anyone to play on the left or right. So we we don't we don't usually do like full lineup prediction, but do you have a? I want to get your take on a lineup prediction. How we might line up Saturday? Oh boy, putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> because Reyna is also healthy. He we're going to talk about USMNT and how he played, um, but he played every game. He didn't start. He he played like thirty minutes each game, but I think that was kind of just easing back into form. Although he played ninety for Dortmund last week. Um, just kind of easing him into things. My only concern with him is he played so recently. Like, I mean, they just played last night, um, and then he's got to fly back. So, yeah, take some time to rest and get ready to go. But I think he should be good. I, I would have. So, my prediction would be a three at the back because, again, we don't have any fit right backs at the moment. Wolf could play right wing back, but there's no way he would play you know, that deep as an actual right back. So we'll probably have Akenji, Chan, and Hummels as our back three with Guerrero pushing up a little bit further on the left side, which hopefully that'll help him in his form. I've mentioned last week that he's really struggling a lot this season, but I think given a little less defensive responsibility, he'll look a little bit better. And then probably similar to what we've been seeing, a Witzel, Bellingham, uh, and then Dehoud's back as well. Oh, yeah. And then... Up top, I don't mean, know. You could have if Holland's not there. Royce and Malin, maybe. I'd, I'd probably be so like a four. Oh, or not a yeah. four, a three, <laughs> four, uh, three, five, two, almost. Yeah, that would be in- interesting. I, where do you, where where do you see Reyna slotting in? I mean, may, not maybe he doesn't make. I mean, obviously he didn't make your predicted lineup, but mm-hmm. I guess in general. Yeah, I just I mean it just depends, I guess. I, I imagine he maybe could start over Witzel. I think just Witzel's been better in recent weeks. And you know, he's he's fully fit too, and we don't really have many other players in that position. But he would either come on and like with like probably twenty or thirty minutes to go, or if you know, Rosa decides to put Dahoud in that deeper lying uh, six role. Then Reyna could probably slip in as the uh, as the eight. Cool. Yeah. Um. Anything else about? Like I said, we're gonna not preview, but we'll go through the final seven. Anything else about Leipzig coming up in this weekend? No. So my prediction. So we we're our record against Leipzig in general in the Bundesliga is seven, two, and three, and we have only lost. Uh, to them once at home. I think it was like back in the Peter Bosch era, 2017 or whatever it was. So I'm feeling good. I, th- I think I'm going to go still. If Holland doesn't play, I'm going to go 2-2. And yeah, probably just probably just draw. Oh man. That's not I, what I wanted here. I know. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say either, but I just, I can't imagine. I don't know. I, I Hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe the... Energy in the atmosphere will be too overwhelming for Leipzig. You know, they're not a team that has really any history or anything like that, so maybe they could just be kind of, and they have a lot of really young, unproven players, so they could just kind of collapse and we could take advantage of them. But I can also imagine them coming out and 
um, punishing us relatively early on with a mistake, maybe at the back or getting punished on the right, and then kind of having to claw our way back into it. So what about you? I am going to be optimistic and say it's here it with on. the yellow wall behind us um, or in front of us, depending on which direction we're facing. Uh, I'm not going to be too optimistic. I would say 2-1. I think we can edge out a win at home. Big crowd. I think we can do it. Um, yeah. It's realistic. You know, it, it's not something that, you know, would be too surprising. But. It's so frustrating about Holland. I would say I would be very confident with him and say 3-1. It's just such a bummer. And I, we, we need to see... We need to see Mullen produce. I mean, but I can bank Royce coming back and getting a goal. Me too. I was going to say, I can't imagine Mullen netting one in this game. It, Leipzig's defense, I would imagine, kind of eat up players like Mullen. You know, not the strongest. And they have pace. And uh, they, they have plenty of strength. And he can be kind of easy to push off the ball at times. So I can't imagine netting one, him netting one. But uh, yeah, I, I can imagine Royce getting one. Maybe Dahoud. I can also see... This was going to be a transition into the U.S. men's national team, but Gio Reyna coming on, uh, getting a goal that he didn't get in the international break, or at least getting three assists because he looked so good. He did look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anyone, I guess, hasn't seen it already, go online and look at the incredible run that he made against Mexico when he came on. Um I'm imagining he'll come back and, you know, he's been slowly being incorporated more into the squad more and more over recent weeks. And I think this is the finally like the time for him to really, if he doesn't start, get a lot of minutes at the, uh, towards the second half and then start being a starter again, depending on his form. Wait, for Dortmund or for, for USMNT? For Dortmund, <laughs> okay. yeah, for Dortmund, yeah. Because I know he didn't, I, would have, I was wondering whenever he was, he, he didn't start either of the three games for the U.S. And I was wondering if maybe Dortmund had talks with Burhalter and, the men's national team, and they're like, hey, you can't play him much because we're very cautious, you know, of, of his um, of his uh, medical issues Recovery. at the time. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he just had played 90 minutes for Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's still, it's three games in about a week-long period, so it's a lot of games back-to-back. Um, and then, I guess in Mexico, he got a, like a lot of the team and staff had a, some kind of stomach bug, and I guess he was really affected by that. But then he also came on and played that game too. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of weird. But I didn't. I would have liked to see him start. As far as just me being a Geo fan, and I want to see him tear it up, which we saw him tear it up when he came on to play the final thirty minutes of of each game. The that Mexico game was so frustrating, um, which is crazy to say. I mean, I've heard a lot of USMNT fans in other podcasts and be like. It's everyone's frustrated. We didn't get the win at the Azteca. We're just we've already transitioned. By the way, we're we kind of that was a weird <laughs> blended transition, but we're full on USMNT now. It's talking it. about Geo though, it's going to be a little back and forth mm-hmm. with Dortmund. But it's it's funny to say that we're frustrated and upset with getting a draw at the yeah. Azteca, which we've I don't we've know never if we, won never won there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked like we should have won that game. And I know Mexico hasn't really been up to scratch with what they usually are. And uh, they, a lot of the talk is their fans are frustrated with how they've been playing. So playing at the Azteca isn't even as difficult as it used to be because it's not a, mm-hmm. as much of a hostile environment. Um, but the thing that was so frustrating for me in relation to Gio is him making that run, which was incredible. And the most beautiful thing ever, he worked it 
basically box to box, like a complete box to box run. He he's he sent like six Mexican players flying in all directions, just breaking six everybody's ankles. Confirmed. Just insane. The frustrating thing is he had to do that because nobody was showing him anything. I'm glad yeah, I'm no, glad you said that. I thought no at first options. you were you were gonna go with he should have passed it, which no very few he people couldn't. but some people said online, yeah, he should have passed it. It's like to who? There was nobody there and that that was kinda at least in the second half. I know we had we had the option with Christian Pulisic should have scored that goal. Um it's still granted it, it's still a I mean it's a tough shot, but you would that's something you would expect to, him to put away. Nine yeah. to, nine times out of ten he does. But yeah. besides that um, and then there was one other chance. Oh, the chance for it was a great cross, not cross, but like a ball in from the back line that Geo cut back to it was Jordan uh, Pifak. Pifak, yeah. Um, who had arguably a worse miss. Good lord, that yeah. was that was insane to watch. I mean, frustrating and all different ways you could say for that game. It, not only we should have pulled out from the win, but Mexico already is just an incredibly frustrating team to play against especially as an American. I mean, my God, the way they just are constantly throwing passes back and forth between their center backs and not making like any progressive runs or taking any chances. So it just, you just have to sit there and weather the storm for like 70% of the game and, you know, stay concentrated and really just try to um, suppress Mexico as much as you can, which is just, it's so frustrating, but you know the the team played well. I mean, at least at least well enough to get some sort of result out of this, and um, and you know, it should have put a few away. Yeah, it's again, it's good that we're frustrated that we didn't uh, get the three points out of it. Great to get the point, and that that did help. It helped a lot in in this window. It's kind of what we needed. It's like if you were to look at this window, you probably wouldn't expect to get a point out of. The Azteca. So it's good that we did it. But I remember I was texting my brother about the game and I was just like, it was so bland almost. I feel like we didn't create because we didn't. And he was like, oh, but that chance by Gio and his awesome run. I was like, yeah, that was it. Like, that was like we didn't. I didn't feel like we created a lot besides that. And I guess my point back to the Gio thing, it's like we just didn't show. People weren't showing enough. They weren't around enough. They weren't. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, yeah, our, the, the attack in, for the men's national team has been a big struggle for as long as I could remember. I mean, we've been looking for a decent striker since before 2014. And even then, I mean, years before that, I I started really only becoming like a really big soccer fan after like 2010 or so. So I don't even know who, who much we had before that, but we, again, it's it's just really tough for us to get things going and attack at times. And especially whenever you're playing against a team like Mexico, that doesn't take any chances. I mean, they had 63% possession we set the u.s sat back with 37 percent possession so it was just i mean all three of these games i mean were pretty frustrating in attack even though going into the next one against panama we looked a lot better i just think panama uh, were a little bit more uh, easy to break down and and we came at it with a whole different look and attack with ferrera instead of pepe you know mm-hmm. and ferrera kind of plays as a false nine and i think that does a good job of opening them up different uh Different um, defenses. I think, so on the striker note, I just, we obviously don't, we don't have like a star striker. We don't have someone who can just tur- turn the game and, and score. Mm-hmm. They can put it at their feet and they can run with it. No um, true finisher, really. No. We really no. don't have one. And that's why I like the uh, Ferreira thing. I, I like him playing because it's almost, like you said, play like a false nine. It's, like, <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to set that strategy when... We, 
in these international breaks that are like really small windows and really create that and mm-hmm. groove that in, like groove that system. Um, it's kind of hard to do, but at the same time, it's like, well, maybe we should try it because we don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it seems like the, the true out and out strikers like Pepe and uh, I don't know. We just haven't been able to, that's such a frustrating thing. And then you you rely on on not having that that go to guy, and then you mm-hmm. rely on Reyna or Pulisic to create a lot, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But there's just not that option to send it to up front. But we did we did bang in five against Panama, yeah. uh, and and that was a fantastic seeing Christian get seeing his first hat trick, hat trick, mm-hmm. fired up, yelling at everybody, fighting everybody, trying to fight everybody. Uh, it was it was really cool to see, and that kind of. Pretty much secured it, especially getting the the five or four goal win, scoring five, uh, definitely definitely was helpful. What yeah, th- there was a handful of really good standout players in that game. I mean, uh, like I mean, I already mentioned Ferreira, but he's Ferreira's really growing on me. I at first I was pretty unsure about him, but the more I watch him for the uh, men's national team, I don't watch MLS much, but um, he looks like he's sliding himself himself really well into that squad. And if and if Pepe doesn't really start to produce the numbers that we think he is in the coming year or two. I mean, Sargent's been kind of in question as well in recent, uh, in recent months. I think that position is still definitely open for him to slowly insert himself into if we can't find other options. But I mean, Luca de Torre, uh, de la Torre, excuse me, also looked phenomenal. I think I haven't seen him play much at all, but he looked so smooth on the ball and, he was very composed as well. He just looked like he was a veteran in that midfield. Um, yeah, he. I think he played one game in the last window, or it might have been the, the previous window before that. But he's a guy who I don't remember where he plays. But it's not one of the center mid. I mean, uh, oh. his club team. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think it's. I don't watch. Uh, you know, know too much about the club, but I think it's Heracles, which is in the Dutch league. Yeah, so not one of the the big leagues. So, and mm-hmm. I don't even know how to find the Dutch. It might be on ESPN Plus, but I've I've never seen him play. I've never like sought out to watch. But every time he he has played, he's looked so good, and he look he looks like such a small guy, but he can run it. Like he yeah, he's so smooth, and yeah, he he's looked really great. Um, of course, McKinney's out, so I think the starting we get to World Cup. Fast forward. Uh, if everyone's healthy, I mean, it's, it's going to be Adams and Musa and McKinney, but he's a great option to have in there. Yeah. Um, Anthony Robinson as well looked great all three of these games. I'm glad he's like now solidified as our left back going forward because I think it was like a few years ago when I think he made like one or two appearances and then was taken out. I think it was after the Brazil game in like 2018 or something like that. But ever since then, he hasn't really been in our squad much. And I always wondered, I'm like, why we don't, we don't really have like a left back at the time. We're playing like 35 year old, uh, MLS players like, um, DeMarcus Beasley. And now that Anthony Robinson is, you know, finally getting his opportunity, he's really taking it. He's becoming a staple in our uh, back four. Yeah. Uh, it's another situation though, where I think he create made a lot of runs and then you kind of get to the end there or the final third. And it's like, Kind of missed out on options because mm-hmm. um, he's great at at running with it, and he's like so strong, and he's got a lot of like good technical ability. And, and he, yeah, like I said, uh, he's got the stamina of you know I don't know what he's running all goddamn game, and <laughs> he's sprinting as well, and so he's got a great work rate and good crossing ability too. He's he's looks like he's usually creating a lot of our chances if Pulisic is kind of uh, slotting more into the center role at times. You know, we still need a player that 
attacks kind of on the wings and he's really providing that. Okay. I'm going to throw, I think I texted you this hot take. Mm. I'm going to loop it back to the striker situation again. Cause I mean, you mentioned it, it's kind of there for maybe Sargent to come back in. It's the, it, that position is in there for anyone to come in. It really Nobody is. has done anything with it. And I texted you this hot take. Daryl DK starting oh, yeah. star striker for us in the world for us in the world cup. And cause he, he had just made his move to West Brom. Mm-hmm. I think West Brom mm-hmm. in the championship is when I made that hot take mm-hmm. and unfortunately got injured right off the bat. I don't know if he scored any goals before he got injured, but I just, he's such a big figure. He's mm-hmm. a big body in the box. When he moved to, where did he go to last year? At the Barnsley. Barnsley. And he started banging in goals. Yeah, and nine, think, nine, ga- or nine goals in 13 games, and which a lot of people, or what a lot of people say is arguably the most competitive league in Europe, the championship in England. I just think he's a uh, personality, uh, and he's the type of personality and the type of athlete to be, and he is a big body, be mm-hmm. physical, especially now playing in the championship. I think that's oh, a yeah. good league and it's it's a good league for him to develop in that when we get to the World Cup, if he gets a chance, it, it's just, it's it, he's such a, pre, he can be such a presence in that box that it will open things up and create more and he, he is a target. Like when you, mm-hmm. uh, like Pepe was the one game where he scored, scored a brace and he did great. I don't remember the game of El Salvador or something, but mm-hmm. like he, when he made his debut and scored and got an assist and did fantastic, but we haven't seen much since. Um, and then Ferreira is just, he, he did score in this last game and he, he does really well, but he's not that big, that big figure. And I just think, I think if Daryl can get back and get healthy, he can still be that. He just needs to, it's, it's really unfortunate um, that he, he basically had no part in these world cup qualifiers. So he really just has to, show it in the championship, but I, I'm i sticking with that, and I think he can be the guy, especially that it's still up in the air. It's still up for, up for grabs. Yeah, it's going to really just depend on how his first season ends with West Brom. He's, you know, he played, I think it was like two games, and then picked up the, uh, the hamstring injury, and he's been injured since. And so it's just going to be a matter of if, if he looks decent those last few games of the championship and then also the first few months of the uh, the next season. But it's a little concerning, too, about what the or which team he's at. You know, West Brom is known for pre- being a pretty big, at least from my understanding in recent years, um, or at least a few years back, a team that really is parking the bus and they're not much of an attacking team. And also they have Steve Bruce now, which he was... A, yeah, a disaster at Newcastle. Um, so I, I hope Daryl DK can perform at West Brom because yeah, he he's someone that I do rate highly as well and think he could very well slot into the um, the striker role. But the same goes for Pepe too. Almost, I was kind of concerned about his move to Augsburg. I think it's huge that he went to the Bundesliga, and I'm very happy for him. But also, you know, Augsburg have been in a relegation battle, which seems like all season. And if he got relegated, I just wouldn't want him to turn into like another. Bobby Wood, if that rings any bells, mm-hmm. played in like the second league in Germany for a few years and then didn't really produce and just kind of bounced around Europe and then I think back in the MLS now for something like that. Yeah, do we have a striker who's not in a relegation battle? I mean, DK is not, but West Brom has been say, fallen. They just got they got relegated out of Premier League last year and they've just been fallen. It has not been great. Uh, Norwich are going down with <laughs> Sargent, that's for sure. Uh, I'm blanking on other men's national team strikers at the moment. Ferreira is at 
he can't get relegated because he's in no. MLS, so he's in a good position. But Dallas was not great last year. No. Uh, I think they're, they've done decent to start the season, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, your thoughts on Costa Rica game? Uh, just the last thing I want to say oh, yeah. about the Panama is it's frustrating we couldn't get a clean sheet. You know, that would have been, oh, yeah. that would have been technically, or I'm going to say three clean sheets, two clean sheets in a row, which would have been nice. So, and I imagine Zach Steffen was pretty pissed. He looked pretty frustrated right whenever that went in the 86th minute. But yeah, Costa Rica, whew, that was a whole, that was a whole different beast, man. I mean, they put on a handful of players that were like 18, 19. I mean, they're number nine. I don't know much of anything about their players because they were making debuts and they were like 17 years old. But I mean, they came to play and they and they really did a number on us. That was nothing short of just a really good learning uh, learning uh, opportunity for that game. Yeah, um, yeah, they were they were great. Like we could not cross the ball in for anything. They were mm-hmm. everywhere. Like they they were like winning every challenge, blocking every cross. Like it was it was nuts. And that the goal we had the goal chance. I don't remember who it was. Um, I don't remember who who shot it, but there was this shot of uh, it their was, keeper Navis it was came. Peppy. Was it Pepe? Yeah, Navis came out and he's getting back, like struggling to get back in front of the goal, and they just had five dudes in front of the goal. Um, they were just so hard to break down; they were everywhere. God, Killer Navas is so good. <laughs> the second that Navas made that save, and it, it was a pretty, you know, um, really tough angle for Pepe to score, but he still had to, you know, put his laces through it and really gave it some power and. Just Navas' reflexes at 35 are just uncanny. So you already knew with how frustrating we can be going forward and the attack for the U.S. is not the best. And then also Costa Rica have, like, in my opinion, one of the top 10 best goalkeepers in the world. We knew it was going to be really tough for them to break break them down. And, yeah, their defense performed really well as as well. I mean, uh, David David Chacon, he was – I remember he had, like, a handful of really – Beautiful tackles that completely shut down players like Wea and Pepe had them in their pocket. So it was a pretty frustrating game. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because we're going to the World Cup. Yeah. We, we had to lose by six. Um, so it's all good. It was funny seeing uh, the, I mean, the player, not funny, but it was the players were obviously really frustrated. Um, and it, but I also saw reports like, oh, once they got to the locker room, it was kind of like, the switch flipped and they it all they oh, all yeah. start to realize oh we're going to the world cup we missed out last year or not last year uh the last world cup so uh but it, i think Polisic on the post game interview is just like i just hate losing so much <laughs> so it, it was a tough situation i even had some friends like in like texting last night who are like this is weird to celebrate that we're going to the world cup coming off that loss yeah the studio was a bit odd in my opinion like they were as we the clock was lying down those last like two or three minutes of added time, the uh, the studio was just like, man, uh, my heart's pounding. I cannot wait for this. This is going to be so exciting. And I was like, we're we're down two nil. Like I got we're qualifying, but like let's let's calm down here and and see the celebrations in the locker room afterwards. I imagine, I don't know. They hopefully they had some sort of talk, but yeah, they were going crazy in the locker rooms too. And I was like. I, this is still like a big learning experience, and there's still a lot of decisions to be made by Burholter. Huge decisions, and there's a lot of things we need to work on before the World Cup. So, I don't know about like all that hype, but I was—I I mean, obviously the hype is due for qualifying. But what? Okay, so moving on, moving forward to the World Cup. Obviously, Concacaf is just weird. 
It's mm-hmm. a weird, weird conference or whatever. Um, and it's weird to play. What are your thoughts? This team playing against like other big European teams or big South American teams. What What are your thoughts about USMNT in general playing in the World Cup? Because I think it's completely different. I think I, w- I wish I just wish we didn't play in Concacaf, but that's just what it is. But it's a completely different beast to play Concacaf oh, yeah. than playing those teams. And oh, I mean, I'll let you go first. But what were you? You know, you I, I, could, I I'm going to have maybe a hot take here, but I can probably imagine us having a pretty rude awakening in Qatar. I think Greg Burhalter is kind of way over his head still with his with this squad, and I think we're going to get pretty exposed, and we're not going to have near as good of a run as in 2014. But I would imagine we probably get like like one one win maybe, and then either two draw two losses or a win, a draw, and a loss, and get uh, knocked out and not make it to the knockout stage. All right, bummer <laughs> much. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, we're, this is the first time we've done like a USMNT where we've mm-hmm. featured you. So we're not trying to be USMNT experts. I'm not at least. Carver is over here doing his thing. I don't know. Carver, are you a USMNT I, expert? I mean, I've, I've followed <laughs> them pretty, I mean, heavily. I, I mean, I didn't grow up watching them too much, but like in, since 2014 or so, I've yeah. become a, a pretty big fan. I, they're like the second team behind Dortmund that I do follow. I don't know where I was going with that other than there's other like legit USMNT podcasts out mm-hmm. there, but, um, scuffed, scuffed. Um, I, so all I was going to say is I'm kind of optimistic in the sense, well, I've not, I've not always agreed with Burhalter what he's done. I don't know if I'm in or out on him just kind of depends on the, the day and the window. Yeah. Um, I've never, I haven't agreed with a lot of his decisions. Um, but I feel that this team in their your individual European experience, I think they can line up against a European team mm-hmm. decently well. I don't know if I have faith in Burhalter, like going up and what his tactics might be, but I like I trust the individuals to put on really good performances and feel a little more in their elements and not be intimidated, knowing that they play in the top leagues mm-hmm. uh, consistently. They maybe play against these guys consistently, but then again, it's not all. We're not all. We're not playing in the Euros. We're not playing against European teams. We've always struggled against Ghana. Uh, yeah. We've always had that. That's been a team that it's difficult. And then South American teams is going to be a, a thing too. But I think in those moments, say we come up against a, I was going to say Germany, we're going to get what? <laughs> that's not going to go well. But, but you, know, you know what I mean? I, I kind of have some confidence in the individual talent and them mm-hmm. being able to step up in the moments. It, it is like the question that American fans have been asking since 2014 is like, can this team compete with the Germanys and, you know, teams around the world that are regarded as, you know, like the top 15 in FIFA rankings. But, you know, those same people have to really take a good look in the mirror and be like, you know, we're not beating the Trinidads right now. We're not beating the Costa Ricas that have 17-year-old debut players. You know, we, I think we just still need a real look in the mirror and um, like a reality check of let's let's take things slow and one game at a time, which I know Berhalter has really been you know, throwing that message around in the last year or two is, you know, taking it one game at a time, but it, it, it's a long project, you know, since 2018, when we didn't qualify, we knew this was going to be a long overhaul and rebuilding phase uh, for the way that we do things in this country. I mean, the pay to play model has been like the thing, the, the way do you get into soccer? And thankfully we're just now starting to battle that 
in a few different areas around the country. But, you know, it's just going to be a lot more uh, time until we can start to compete with teams like that. So do you think playing against a con- not not being able to just put away the CONCACAF teams is a an issue and that's where we're going to get like a slap in the face when we play in the World Cup? Or do you think, do you view CONCACAF as a different thing? I don't know. I just, I just think it's like a big tell of, you know, are we going to be able to compete against those other teams? And if if we can't, if we're struggling in, in a lot of areas and around these teams of, you know, Costa Rica and play or teams like Panama, which we, we wiped Panama, but you know, those kind of, but countries. not the first, not the first time. No, not the first time. And you know, Canada is still looking clearly better than us in recent months too. I just, again, I just think we really need to uh, still put our head down and focus on completely remodeling our, uh, our, co- the concept of soccer in this country. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, and then the draw, I mean, by the time you're listening to this episode, the draw might be out. So we'll know who we're playing mm-hmm. really soon. Um, well, by the time you're listening, Carver and I have no clue at the, at the present moment, but I think it's, I think it's Saturday at 11. If I'm not wrong. I think Friday, Friday, oh, Friday, at 11. At 11. Friday, Friday, 11 central time, 12 Eastern. So yeah, but, uh, we are going to get back into some Dortmund stuff. Unless you, you have anything else about USMNT. Nope. I thought I just, I thought geo looked good and it looked, that's good for Dortmund. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and throw things over to Adam for a update on the Dortmund women's team. Hey all Adam Dorowski here with another update about the Bevel Bay women's team. So the women's team was in action on Sunday against Teutonia Landstrop. Now the last time Bevel Bay had faced Landstrop, they won 15 nil uh, at home so unfortunately, this time the the match was not broadcast. So uh, we we missed a lot of goals though because the the women won fourteen nil, uh, meaning that over the two matches they scored twenty nine and conceded nil, just an absolutely absurd number. Now the last couple of uh, Dortmund matches were canceled because of COVID infections in the team, and there are still many lingering absences from that. So there were some interesting personnel changes uh, for this week. Uh, midfielder Louisa Bergman found herself as the starting goalkeeper, uh, and she was forced into action to make one save that I know of. Uh, I don't know how much more action there was. I assume there wasn't much in a 14 nothing match, but I do know that she had to be called upon to make one save. So from the 14 goals, we had four for Anne Catherine Lau, we had three for Carolyn Call, we had two for Anna Zabel, and we also had three first-time goal scorers for the team. Uh, defender Denise Portners uh, was a first-time goal scorer. Hannah Schneider uh, scored her first goal for the team, and uh, Annika Falker also scored her first goal. Um, Lisa Clemen also uh, scored, the captain Lisa Clemen. She was the one that scored the opener in the the fourth minute and the final goal was scored by hannah gooseman which is significant because she was the top scorer before going down with a injury um over the winter break she had broken an arm had surgery uh, but she is finally back and she scored the 14th goal in the 88th minute but that was not even the most significant substitution so because of the lack of players the head of women's football uh, Svenja Schlenker actually started on the bench. Now, this is significant because Svenja is the one who 
essentially brought the women's team to Dortmund. She's worked with the club for years and has been really pushing hard to get a women's team. And she is the one that's in charge of this department. And she's a former footballer, of course. And she was called upon to be on the bench in this match because they were short players. And lo and behold, she was substituted in and played nearly the last half an hour of the match. Um, she did not uh, get on the score sheet. Uh, I, I believe she was playing at fullback, but uh, from what I heard, she did hit the post on one occasion, which is just awesome. I, it was a dream come true for her to play for Borussia Dortmund, this, this team that she put together, and now she got to play for this club that she holds so dearly and is such a massive part of, and it was just a wonderful moment. Uh, I'm really disappointed that they didn't stream this match, but luckily um, uh, Danny Fritz, who is a, a Dortmund club employee, he's the, the voice that you hear when watching uh, the, the home matches of the women's team. He's the one that's announcing the goals. He does so many different things for the team. I can't even begin to explain them, but uh, he was uh, on the sidelines and shot a nice video Um and it was just such a wonderful moment. So anyway, what's coming next for the women's team? On Sunday, they play against Berghofen. Uh, they, last time they played against Berghofen, it was one of their uh, tougher matches. It was a 4-0 win. But uh, hopefully we'll have a few more players back uh, from COVID. And then the Solohoz match that was uh, rescheduled uh, is on Wednesday, April the 6th. So two matches this week. And uh, the cup match uh, against Fambler that was also canceled because of COVID has been rescheduled for later this month, April, uh, sorry, later next month, April 28th. So we got a while to wait for that cup semifinal. So again, uh, they're still top of the table, 11 matches, 11 wins, no draws, no losses, 87 goals scored and zero goals conceded. Uh, so that is your update. I am Adam Dorowski, Foosball Twit on Twitter, and thanks for uh, asking me to do this again. Bye. All right, so we do have all of Adam's info, so you can uh, stay connected with him, check out his website, and stay up to date with everything about the Dorman women's team. Uh, so all that is in the description below. Um, and as we wrap this episode, we're just going to look ahead at the final games of the season. We have seven left. Uh, we're at sitting in second, 57 points. Bayern is at 63 points. Again, I don't want to say that the title race is on, but it might be mm-hmm. if things go well this weekend. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to take a look at, at the upcoming fixtures. And honestly, I mean, looking at, at our game and the game that Bayern have this weekend, it is a chance. Yeah, again, <laughs> we, we mentioned already that it's Bayern's league to lose. It is not ours to win. And when we say things have to go well this weekend, we're not only talking about us pulling out a victory versus or against Leipzig, but also Bayern dropping points, which close to never really happens. But these last seven games, if you're looking at, if you're comparing, you know, both Dortmund and Bayern's schedules, I would argue we have much of a easier uh, last few fixtures. I mean, they Bayern have Freiburg and that is at Freiburg this Saturday and then they have us in a few weeks, and then they end the season with being away at Mainz and then away at Wolfsburg, which I think, you know, that's four games that's going to be pretty darn difficult to um, to compete against. And, and meanwhile, we have we have Leipzig, and then we have Bayern, but after that we have Bochum, Greuther Firth, and then Hertha Berlin, and that's Hertha is going to be at home. So, you know, we have three teams in a row that are, again, going to be in relegation battles, but... 
in December we had the exact same thing and <laughs> we were like, yeah, this this will be this will be an easy nine points. We we're very optimistic at the end of 2021 and that did not go well yeah. at all. So 21 points to compete for. I'm going to predict that we get 16 of those and we uh, just come up pretty short at the end of the season. So, okay, I want to run through these individually. Leipzig, you already said a draw. Mm-hmm. At Stuttgart. I think we pull away a win. Wolfsburg. Win. Bayern. Loss. Uh, Bochum. And that's at home as well, so we're going to win that one. At Furt. Hopefully we win that one, and then I would either argue probably a win or a tie at, uh, against Berlin at the end of the season. So 16 or yeah. 17 points. So, okay, I, I, I pretty much, yeah, I think I'm gonna, I'm optimistic and say we beat Bayern, but I also feel, I don't think we're gonna win the last three. I yeah. think we'll at at best we'll draw at Firth, um, mm-hmm. and so I don't know where my points are, I mean, but that's that's where I'm sitting. That's pretty. That's pretty ballsy, given Firth is dead last in the league, and they have. Well, did we draw them last time? Or no, we we beat them three. Oh, but it was okay. But it was like the worst three nail you can imagine. You know, I, I don't want to yeah, uh, yeah. uh, stroke us too much in that sense because we won three nail, but we had like we had Holland on the field and a handful of other, or we didn't have many injuries at the time, and we still looked really rough that game. But I think we can go away and, and win there. It's just our our biggest struggles are going to be this weekend. At Bayern, and then uh, potentially Stuttgart as well. Yeah, if if this weekend goes perfectly, like we beat Leipzig, and we get some we get some good, I don't know, good momentum going. Momentum. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say momentum because then we'll lose the next week probably because yeah. that's yeah, what we do. Knows. But if I think the big thing is, or th- this is the best weekend to see Bayern drop points mm-hmm. um, because yeah. they have Freiburg, so it's that's like our best chance. And then if, if but if they beat Freiburg, then. Uh, if if yeah, it's a matter of them losing at Freiburg and at Mainz, which both two very defensively solid teams, and they both pretty much never lose at home. And Bayern are away for both of those games, so that's six points right there. But that's a big ask for both of those teams to pull away wins against Bayern Munich. Um, but if yeah, a miracle happens with those two, and then we can somehow pull out another miracle and win against or at Bayern, who knows? But, yeah, I'm going to go 20, 16 out of the 21 points, and it's coming in second. All right. Well, we said it was going to be a short episode, and we went uh, about our normal time. So that's that's good. I guess we because I said we didn't have anything to recap, and then we recapped all of USMNT. So yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, again, uh, Dortmund this Saturday, 1130 Central Time versus Leipzig. And then I'll probably be watching the uh, – no. Yeah, we're Saturday, Saturday. And then uh, Bayern, Saturday morning, 8.30. I'll probably be watching that too. And I know all the Dortmund fans are going to be watching it because they all, all feel like we've already signed Nico Schlatter back, which I would, <laughs> I wish that was true, but I'm just... Me too. I'm not going not gonna to hold on to that hope just yet because we've seen what happens. Um, yeah, everyone should go and watch this game this weekend. It's, it's a sight to see to have you know all the fans back and i i imagine it's going to have we're going to have some mind blowing choreography going on with the uh with the south stand you know having all 81,000 fans there or at least however many uh, home fans what is it like 70 something thousand but yeah very very excited 
Uh, thanks again for hanging out and listening. You can find us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and YouTube by searching the BVB podcast. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BVB at the BVB pod and email us the BVB pod at gmail.com. But don't send us like spam. Send us some fun forwards or something. <laughs> Did someone send us spam? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, nobody emails us except Google and Instagram. It's funny. You guys got a new message. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I just, if anyone doesn't have social media, want to email us mm-hmm. for official business inquiries. You want to send us money? Perfect. Send us an email. Um, Which, speaking of business inquiries, we we will have uh, another announcement in the coming weeks, but we will be having a really fun guest on ooh, the coming month. Yeah, I don't know if we should tease that or not, but here's a tease. We got a, an announcement. We're going to have a fun guest sometime soon. Yeah, we'll get more details later. So on that note, bye. See ya. <laughs>